Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the 360 Recruiting Podcast, a podcast for OU recruiting fans by Sooners360.com. Each week we catch you up on the latest in OU recruiting news and provide opinions and evaluations on all things OU football recruiting. I'm Chris Mason, lead recruiting analyst for Sooners360.com. I'm joined this week by Caleb Cummings, Sooners360.com talent evaluator an opinion creator and my co-host for this show. This is, uh, we're doing just a one episode, one pod this week. We've been giving you guys two pods uh, for the last several weeks leading up to signing day and around the OU game. Uh, This week, it's just one pod and it is episode 62 titled Big Happenings in Orlando. So as always, we begin with the latest in Sooner recruiting and portal news since we are Still stuck in the portal zone, I think, for at least the next, I would say, two weeks, maybe, something along those lines. So, Caleb, we're going to start off with, uh, there are no commitments since we since we last recorded, but uh, we're seeing a lot of forecasts. We're recording this Thursday morning, uh, January 4th, and we're starting to see forecasts, and uh, the Sooner Scoop guys were the first to post a forecast, Josh. But uh, Parker Thune over on OU Insider has also been uh, sort of heavily hinting at this story based upon re- uh, based upon reports that are out there. So, and we know that he's actually been on campus. So, uh, Caden Woolard, the Miami of Ohio defensive end, uh, Caleb is being heavily project- projected predicted to OU. In fact, by the time we get this uh, podcast up uh, this afternoon or early evening. I think there's a very good chance he's he's gone public with a commitment to OU, but right now he's not. So we'll just see. But Caleb, we got to see got to see uh, Caden in an OU jersey standing next to Miguel Chavis and uh, and uh, and Coach Bates. So uh, 
if nothing else, he certainly looks the part in a Sooner jersey as a as a rush defensive end. I know you've had a chance to look a little bit of his film. He's he certainly looks every bit the six five two fifty plus. He's uh, he's advertised to be. So if OU was able to to close this deal today, what do you think they'd be getting in Caden Woolard? No, so first thing, yeah, I would say a really good football player, uh, you know, and I don't know. He's re- his recruitment is really interesting when I looked at it. When like you dig in, so he went to Massillon, Washington, right, which uh, is at least at one time, I assume, still is one of the best programs in the state of Ohio. I mean, they live, breathe high school football, and uh, you know, so Chris Spielman played. Uh, at that program was, so I think, I believe, uh, so that Massillon, Washington, Chris Spillman hold the honor of being the first high school player and first high school team effectively ever on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Uh, I mean, and you watch, you see him early on, he was six foot four, 210 pounds, but he was two time Allstate in Ohio, which is not nothing. Uh, so I was a little bit surprised that, you know, you look at his offer list out of high school, that he didn't have offers from like a Michigan State or uh, Indiana and a bunch of Power Five groups. I do understand why a Penn State or Ohio State or Michigan didn't offer him out of high school. Again, six four two ten, and those schools tend to really recruit, you know, essentially just five stars, high four star kids on the defensive line. So everybody they're going after is uh, 240, 250 plus. They just tend to, you know, they tend to go after more developed kids. I think what you see with him is the development physically has caught up to what he is as a football player. The tape I watched was against Miami. And then I watched the Toledo tape as well. But I wanted to see him against Power 5 competition. Uh, You know, you watch him in the Miami Miami game. In the run game, he uses his length extremely well. He holds up. He sets the edge just fine. He is, like you said, you look at the uh, pictures, he is 6'5". He is 250, uh, and he's got the length of a guy that's six foot five. And like I said, you, you watch him against Miami, zero problem holding up uh, in the run game and setting the edge there. The thing I wondered watching that game, I honestly came away wondering, like, did Miami somewhat game plan, hey, we want to a little bit stay away from him? Because you see them move the pocket a little bit, get away from him. Uh, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't say, you know, Having said that, I, I, I'm not trying to imply that he was a dominant player in that game and and just wreaked havoc on Miami, but it was just some noticeable things where they they really, uh, you know, I, it obviously probably aware of him being the their best pass rusher. And even still, he multiple times, uh, I think he had a sack in that game, and you see him get pressure early on. I think first drive, second drive, uh, Miami of Ohio gets an interception, and it's off of a pressure force by Caden. Uh, he's working against their left tackle, gets upfield, uh, and they actually chip on him with the back. Uh, and he just, he, you know, he kind of does a spin move off the chip beats the tackle inside, gets in front of the quarterback, causes the ball to, you know, sail uh, and safety just, you know, uh, comes underneath it, uh, you know, and and gets a turnover. So, I mean, you see kind of all the tools there. Uh, High motor guy, uh, can set the edge, can rush the passer. I wouldn't say he's not a real at 6'5", 250, he's, he's more of an athletic slick 
pass rusher, more of a, I wouldn't say he is Nick Benito. But that's like a term I always use with Nick, right? It's like Nick's rules. He's a, he's a slick guy, uh, real good at like getting that shoulder dipped, you know, always attacking half a man, never allowing an offensive tackle to get flush on him or rarely, rarely doing so. And just kind of, you know, really difficult for those big physical uh, offensive linemen to get their hands on. He, he's more of that. But what, to me where that's really interesting is you can clearly tell he's still just growing into that body physically. He's still developing. You know, I would bet, you know, if he, whether it's Oklahoma or somewhere else, I'll bet you he's 6'5", 260 pounds uh, this coming season and, and, and stronger and more powerful for that. And I say all that to say, like, one of the things I think you want to see is – you know, again, really good first step, athletic guy, long arms, uses them well, has some, you know, some inside counter moves. Can he develop, uh, you know, a speed to power as he just gets stronger? Does he, you know, begin to develop a, a speed to power move? You know, I, I really like the guy. I think uh, if he chooses to be a sooner, I'd be shocked if he wasn't, uh, if he wasn't at minimum a rotational piece. I would say, you know, R. Mason Thomas is the only guy. Uh, that you would, I think, maybe sit down and say, okay, I've seen more from him as a pass rusher than I've seen, you know, from Caden. Uh, and I don't know if that's even fair to say. I, you know, I, he uh, he brings more as a pass rusher than than what Ethan Downs does. You know, as a as a pure like, hey, edge guy that's going to be able to get after the quarterback. And that's not a shot at Ethan. You know, Ethan's more, I think, more of a strong side defensive end. Uh, you know, and and doesn't I don't know that he processes just the game as as well as what you see Caden. Uh just real natural, you know, run and chase. Dude knows how to find the football and, and you know, maybe again some of that goes back to playing at a such a good high school program where, you know, just playing the game is is what he does really well. So here's a scary here's a here's a, un- a number that I can't quite believe. So based upon you talk about Massillon, I just threw Massillon, Ohio and three star kids into the rivals database, which goes back like twenty years, uh-huh. and it's thirty. It's thirty pages worth of kids, and it's nearly <laughs> fourteen hundred kids. There you nearly go, fourteen hundred kids who are three stars or higher. I mean, so it's that, just, we're talking. It's that's that's ridiculous. It is a pipeline. There is a. I, it may be in in the Chris Spielman uh, football life, you know, but it's. I mean, the Massillon uh, high school football boosters go into whether it's weekly or daily into the nursery at at you know at mass at the at the local hospital and 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 put in little footballs into the cribs. I mean, it is a it's a football town, you know, and that's where I think you see it carry over with him again. Where I just say like, there's not this. You can see that he processes information really quickly, and again, it's just a natural like chasing after the ball little stuff. There's not this, oh, hey, I'm trying to – you don't see him latching on and peeking and trying to find the ball. I'm like, okay, you know, there's not sluggish movement in, in what he does. It's it's very natural of, you know, when it's pass rush, he's getting to the field and he's going. And if it's a run, he, you know, he finds the ball quickly and he, uh, you know, turns and chases. He, he's just – he's a – he does – you know, you can tell he's a good football player. So yeah, it's just I mean it's like it's Ohio State, Michigan State, and it's like Toledo, Marshall, Pittsburgh, you know, Miami of Ohio. It's like every year that they're, they're sending three or four kids to the to um to either the MAC or the Big Ten. So it's like, okay, all right. So I think it's a good I mean, as as you said, it's a good addition. He looks every bit 
a good pass rusher. And if if you and we've we've heard it from our, we've heard it from the guys in our message board. We've heard it is that sacks. Where are the sacks? Well, all right, Caden Woolard at least on paper brings bring sacks. I think we had to, nine, the, to the picture. Was it nine or nine and a half last year? Uh, yeah. There in the MAC, and you know we talked a little bit about this, right? Like in the MAC, probably gets everybody. It is a group of five, right? It's not a power five league, but you know you look at that league. And it's one of the leagues that they produce a decent amount of NFL guys, you know, particularly line of scrimmage and some DBs and things. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's not, not bad competition. You know, yeah. Like I say, I, when I watch him, I, I don't see. Hey, Matt, Maction, Maction, Maction. There are, there are, I mean, offensive linemen left and right in the NFL. Absolutely. But we've, we've talked about that for months. Yep. Um, since we first started, um, Really good running backs, and and why they're good running backs because they have good offensive lines. It's just you know I look at it, I look at it similar like Ohio and just that in Pennsylvania and that part of the you know, and they, Illinois and Illinois Illinois, Illinois yeah. and Michigan too. Honestly, like you look yep. at the number yeah. of offensive linemen that are in the league or are, you know all American types from Michigan, it just kind of goes back to we we talked about this right. Like you look at Texas high school football really up until about 2000 and they produced offensive and defensive linemen and running backs like crazy. And then the spread took over and how they produce wide receivers and DBs and quarterbacks like crazy. Right. Well, I think, you know, they football, the way the games played is still just a little bit different in, in the Midwest. And they just, it's still more of a line of scrimmage game. And so they just, it's why Iowa can't find a quarterback, right? Yeah. Yeah. Although you see the uh, <laughs> Ty Thompson, the former five-star from Oregon is visiting. Yeah. That's a uh, tie. Go elsewhere, dude, save yourself. <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, uh, although they, I don't, you know, but it would be, it would be, I mean, at some point we do need to just give them like a high talent guy and just see what happens. Right. Not someone who's an abject failure at other places. Right. Right. And, you know, give them an actual, like, okay, this is a bona fide ball spinning five star elite kid. Can, That's can, why Thompson's interesting, right? Yeah. You're, yeah. you're talking about like 6'5, 230, 225, real athletic. So, like, all the tools are there. It's, you know, like, yeah. you're going, you're going to a place that's not known for developing those tools. <laughs> right. But they also have guys with terrible tools. Like, Yes. Does, does a guy have a tool? Is I mean, like the kid right now that they start, I, it blows me away because he's a uh, like he's really overweight playing quarterback. Like his pants are like sagging down because he has no butt, and like it's a uh, is, it, is it is it Jared Lorenzen bad? It'll, he looks he's a, a slightly leaner Jared Lorenzen, but in, in which is Iowa's which is defense, no compliment, which is no, no compliment. compliment. But it's you know usually like no because he does not sling it like Lorenzen did. Yeah. The, the Pillsbury throwaway. Um, uh, so, hefty so that's, lefty. that's right. So that's, that's Caden Woolard, which we, we, we're pretty sure. Um, well, we know he visited OU. Sometimes with these portal guys, we're like, did they visit OU? I mean, we have physical evidence that he was in Norman. That or it's the best Photoshop fake photo on the internet. Cause he's standing next to two OU coaches in an OU Jersey. And he also posted an Instagram video where he's, Walking out onto OU's field, OU Stadium and field. So, all right. So, just some OU comings and goings in the portal. Blake Smith. Okay, thank you, Blake. Thanks for playing. Um, uh, you know, um, 
Thanks. 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 We won't. We will not. <laughs> we will perfect. not go down the path of of taking, uh, you know, of, of of well, feeling the need to pile on guys as they're leaving. Okay, we don't. No, so, no, no. So, no, yeah. so Blake Smith, thank you very much. Tawi Walker's heading to Wisconsin. I think it's a great place for him to go. Go start. I mean, I, he's a Mac, he's a Mac running back. If I ever saw him in Wisconsin, um, you know, is uh, sort of some sort of played like a Mac football team this year. So that's a good fit. Um, Dave McCullough is heading to parts unknown. Um, I don't, I don't know that his dad has changed jobs. I just wonder if maybe there's a dad job change. Well, that one is really, is kind of weird to me. Just, uh, now he, I did see someone bring this up about, Oh, maybe he lands like a group five or a smaller, uh, cause he was, he was committed to Cincinnati. Uh, when, you know, when Oklahoma got him, And so I don't know, you know, we, we talked a little bit about this before, right? Like freshman year is hard, you know, freshman year of college is difficult. I mean, nobody for the most part, you know, it's very, very tiny percentage of people on the planet truly enjoy being outside of their comfort zone. And you're never more outside of your comfort zone than you are going from being, you know, a high school, all American, you know, or an all state football player and then getting dropped into a meat grinder where you're, you know, not uh, better than anybody, you know, and it's, everything's new. Everybody is new. I mean, you know, everything from the surroundings and the people to, uh, you know, what you're asked to do. Like, it, and, it, and, and, and there's this other yeah. small factor of academics as well, you know, that just, what I'm saying, you yeah. know, that everyone that, you know, that we all often, you know, like to forget, but guys, the, the, the kids are still going to class. Right. <laughs> you, you just, you hate to see guys leave after sh- such a short period of time. Cause I just, you wonder like, Hey, if you can break through that, you know, where this becomes more normal, right? It becomes your every day uh, and get over that hump. Like you can get through it and you'll be good. And you just wonder like, was that it? Did it, was it just, Hey, never could get comfortable. So he's going to leave and go somewhere else. Or maybe I'm wrong. And maybe he saw like, look, I'm not going to play for a little bit. And they're bringing in guys like Reggie Powers and I'm probably not going to play. And Boganowski. And Hardy. Yeah, and Boganowski. And, you know, like, hey, I'm, I am may be struggling to play here. I don't know if that's the reason. Uh, or, you know, it may be as simple as, I mean, his dad, his granddad, and one of his brothers all played at Miami of Ohio. I believe his granddad was the all-time leading rusher until his dad broke that record and became the all-time leading rusher. And, you know, his, I think the oldest brother played at Miami of Ohio. So, I, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if he, you know, just – went back and it was, you know, closer to home and uh, at, at a program that, you know, the family has a really long and distinguished history with. Yeah. So I was a little disappointed to see that. I would like to at least see him in spring now that, you know, uh, Key Lawrence is gone. Reggie Pearson's out of eligibility. Um, so, you know, I would have, I would like to have seen that, but, you know, um, uh, good luck today. Hope he finds a, hope he finds a spot and hope he's, hope he's successful. So. So that's the comings and goings out of OU. So let's just talk about the the guys we think are still in play for OU in terms of um, visiting OU or um, OU is still actively looking at. So we'll lead with the big name. It's uh, Nick Scorton from Purdue, defensive end, 6'4", 280. Um, has great film against Michigan and Ohio State. 
just an excellent player, maybe maybe outside of quarter outside of the teams desperate for a quarterback. And we're talking about you, Miami, um, Ohio State, and USC. Um, <laughs> uh, probably maybe the number one guy in the portal right now in terms of uh, of, of folks. If you wanted to just rank impact guys, now he's he's just visited A and M. They for, he got a forecast to A and M already. Now I think a lot of folks are putting the fact that he's from Bryan, Texas, which is basically a suburb of the greater metropolitan area of College Station, if I could use a term that doesn't really apply to College Station. Um, so I think a lot of folks are kind of putting a connection there together. He's visiting, I think, FSU and Missouri the next two days, if he makes those visits, and then OU gets him at the end of the week. Uh, sorry, gets him on Saturday, I believe. So OU's got a, got a, has a teammate connection in Dion Burks. Dion's talking to him. So I think, I think Caleb, if he makes it to Norman, OU will at least get to make their pitch, and they'll have a good idea of what the NIL dollar number is. I, I, I view, if they get Caden Woolard, I think Scorton's one of the few guys that you just sort of say, "Screw it, let's just get him if we can." I mean, I think he's probably the even with Walter Nolan. You know, if ever if you tossed everybody back into the portal, and nobody was committed. Uh, Scorton would probably be, in my mind, the the number one guy that entered the portal. Uh, his like his tape is is pretty damn good. Uh, you watch him, like I said, he's listed as six four two eighty. He does not look two hundred eighty pounds. It gets a really well proportioned two eighty. Uh, Purdue plays a lot of like a three down. You know, like three, four, essentially. And they don't have him playing hand in the dirt, base defensive end, two gap and stuff. He is their edge in the three, four. Uh, you see, like you said, you watch the tape against Penn State, and he's kind of bullying their tackles around. He's he's just a really good player. He'll probably be a two year rental if he stays healthy. Or no, wait, does he play two years at Purdue? I don't know if it's been two or one. It's two. Uh, I think it's two. two. Yeah, he's probably a one-year rental for wherever you know wherever he lands. I would I would assume he's probably going to be a one-year rental, uh, and then off to the NFL. He, he's he's a really good player. Uh, I I mean, look, take your shot, right? Like he's he's a he'd be a day one starter, and arguably, or if he landed at Oklahoma, probably their best you know defensive lineman. Uh, I mean, arguably, I'm not saying that that you know would 100 percent, but he but he would be in that conversation for for best defensive lineman on the team. So, I mean, you take your shot at it. And here's the thing: you and I both know this, and everybody else does. If you follow recruiting, right? When it comes to portal guys, you never know. Like you have zero clue. Like sometimes it's going to be an NIL thing. Sometimes it's I want to be closer to home. You know, he like you mentioned, he's he's from the Bryan College Station area. Got overlooked by. Uh, it's funny, he got overlooked by the previous staff at A and M because they were so busy writing checks to every five star defensive lineman of the country that they didn't look and say, "Oh, we actually have." If we scouted this properly and didn't just look at you know other things, we have a better one right here. Because he was, yeah, a, he's outplayed. He's outplayed all the all the all the five stars at this point. Yeah, he, he was an Under Armour All American kid, so he, you know, at high school, yeah, he, wasn't, he wasn't. Yeah, yeah how he Purdue? Wasn't. How Purdue grabbed him in the first place? I'm like, what the hell's going on here? I think was he a? I want to say he was a again a COVID kid. That he was a his senior year yeah, was 2020. Year. Yeah. freshman year in college is 2021. So you're you know you're looking at a kid that just uh, you know, and that's where it makes it all the worse that A and M. That's the one person you could, you know, you could 
stand on you know campus and you could watch him live where everybody else can't couldn't get out and see him how they missed that to first go around is 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 surprising even given how well they were the level they recruited at previously but uh you know back on him like you never know right like is it like what is the reason is it like i want to play in the nfl i want to and i want some nil money and you can show me the right scheme how i fit i'm going to do these things and you know uh you look you shoot your shot Maybe you get him on campus. Uh, he goes and checks everybody out, and he sets down and decides, okay, this place is best for me moving forward. Uh, don't know if that'd be OU, if that'd be A and M, but you know, I, I, I haven't heard anything that says, oh, this this guy entering the portal was strictly about trying to get closer to home. I think if that no. were the case, it, it ought to be done. Yeah, it's 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 like you said. We're we sometimes can can you know process our way through trying to figure out why high school kids make decisions. That's, that's even harder sometimes, but for the most part, sometimes, you know, things line up, but on portal guys, it's like, to your point, it's, it's the motivation element. We just, we just don't know. Right. I mean, I still don't really understand how we got Dion Burks from Purdue. Uh, And uh, how it happened so quickly. I mean, I'm with you on that. Like, yeah, you watch this. It's shocking. (laughs) (laughs) Like, all right. Um, Emmett. All I can think of is like Emmett Jones is is you know among the better recruiters in the country. Yeah, um, and Alabama, stay the hell away from him. Okay? Oh no, huh? please. Um, yeah, if so, just block all block. Find find Dick Saban's cell phone number. His five. Burners he uses for recruiting. I mean, I'm not saying illegal recruiting. I'm just saying burners he uses for recruiting because, you know, he, he wants to just dump the numbers after he's done with the season, um, something like that. Um, have them all blocked um, for uh, Emmett, Emmett Jones's cell phone number. Um, Alabama's looking for a new wide receiver coach, by the way. The, their guy's going to A&M. Um, I'm not sure I would hire the Bama guy after the last three years of um, – Bama wide receiver play, but that's 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 a whole other story. So, so Caleb, we'll we'll get to Nate Roberts in a second, but everyone's sort of still in the O line freakout mode based upon the losses OU's absorbed to the NFL uh, and to the portal and the sloppy sloppy game they played um, uh, in the Alamo in the Alamo Dome. So it looks like two guys who sort of are kind of bubbling up to the top based upon Twitter follows and comments from other from other websites. Um, Michael Tarquin is the first name. He is a offensive tackle that was at UF. OU recruited him out of a high school. He almost chose OU out of high school. He knows Bill Biedenbau. And then he went to USC when he hit the portal last year. Um I think that was basically because he, you know, USC was sort of promising that he could start, and OU appeared to have their tackles. Um, now he's back in the portal. He's kind of looking for a quick fix on US to be un USC'd. He did really well at Florida. His PFF numbers at USC this year were not good. Um, I think he's looking for a place to kind of get rebooted and re and refocused on playing O line again. So. Um, OU could certainly offer him in that spot. If you had Brown and Tarquin and Sexton competing at offensive tackle, 
Um, that's a better depth and com competition situation than I think OU uh, that you could have possibly hoped for right now, not knowing not knowing what OU could get out of um, Jake Taylor at right tackle. He didn't look great in the, in the, in the Alamo Bowl. Um, just a couple of clips. I mean, it may not be fair to judge him on a couple of clips. That's all we've got, right? Because he hasn't played that much this year. I know, Caleb, you're a little worried that this is not trending the right way for, for Jake. Yeah, the worry being just, you know, uh, the worry being at, he wasn't one of the best five, as Bill would have viewed it. You know, I, I know you could look at it and say, okay, like, uh, you know, I think in a in a one game, when that's what that was, right? It's just a it's just a bowl. One game, you're trying to find your best five. Like we don't really care about who the backup is. Like we'll, you know, if we need a backup at some point in this, we'll deal with that in that moment. We've got to shuffle some other guys around, but you need your best five. And I don't know. There's I, you know, so like my good version of this versus my bad version. My good version is all the reps Caleb Schaefer has and had played that Bill just trusted him more and said, okay, I just kind of trust you more because you're more experienced. You know, I even even then there's an underlying like, well, if experience is what matters, Jake needs it. So use this as an opportunity to get him because like to put it as kindly as we can, like Caleb Schaefer was – you know, uh, he, he was, really he struggled in that game. He was bad. He was just bad. He was he bad. Was he's, he, he just doesn't, you know, he's he's a really big guy that doesn't move his feet real well and plays really high, you know. Uh, and it looks like the game moves a little too fast for him. So you combine all that together, and, like, the best thing you can say about him is, hey, in instances where if someone's just got to go through him, he's 6'5", 240, he's difficult to go through. You know, that, so it really – shocking to me and worrisome that Jake, that Bill didn't view Jake Taylor as you're one of our best five. We need you here. We're going to play you at guard. I know you've been playing tackle, but you played guard as a, as a true freshman. So we're going to move you back to guard for the bowl and get you going. That was concerning, you know? So I think where Tarquin could help there is, you know, and I'll readily admit, and I put this on the board, you know, when you talk and it's, it's the easiest film to find, but it's also by far his worst film in college. You turn on the Notre Dame game from this year, and it was bad, uh, right. particularly in particularly in pass pro. When he puts his hand on the ground and it's coming off the ball, it's not bad. You know, you look at him what he might do in the run game and some of the pin pull stuff that Oklahoma does, and I think he could do real you know really well in that regard. Because on the flip side, when you turn on the Florida tape from his junior year. They did a ton. Pretty much everything they did was, you know, pretty heavily, pretty heavy RPO based, but also just really heavy play action, right? If it wasn't RPO, they were doing a lot of play action, different zone read, because Anthony Richardson was their quarterback. Well, because of that, you know, and a lot of their pass game stuff was boot action. Uh, again, just want to get Anthony Richardson on a, uh, you know, on, on the edge there where he could probably make a decision. You know, he looks really good. Uh, and he doesn't struggle with a lot of the things. So I think, you know, we're like worst case, I think with Tarquin, like you said, is like you get a guy that can come in and compete, but you know, he could probably also provide depth up and down the line, probably not at center. You know, I know he hasn't played right. that, but he can provide depth for you and competition for you at guard or tackle. I think, uh, you know, and it, you know, he's an older guy and, uh, be interested to see if, uh, if Schmitty could, 
could improve him and help him in any way, shape, and form. And as I, I you know, for being fair, uh, I know most people aren't yeah, real big on uh, on Benny Wiley's development of offensive linemen in Florida. The strength coach he was at under Florida has been fired too because of some issues with development. So you know, you, you know, he's an older guy, so you're not sure how much how much will be squeezed there. But at the same time, like we've talked about, right, offensive line position is about moving other big people. It's about strength, and strength is one of those things that's cultivated through time. It's not a you know, not, not a quick fix. It's a you know, I think that's why you see so many. We've talked about, you know, NFL offensive linemen, and you watch it on a Sunday, and you're like, well, you know, like you said, this guy went to, you know, Toledo. This guy went to Western Michigan. This guy went to, you know, Cincinnati. Like these, why, why are all these guys in the NFL? So, well, you know, it takes time to develop. You know, it's a, uh, it's the best uh, guys. You know, five years, six years removed from high school, are not necessarily the best guys that were, you know. Uh, when they were juniors in high school because there's a long development runway. So the other name that's a little more interesting is um, he's an offensive guard from KU. He was uh, basically recruited from DeSoto High School in Texas to KU by Emmett Jones. At least that's yep. what the recruiting story looks like. Yeah, no, I've dug into that. And, and Emmett was the – he was the DFW primary recruiter at Kansas, right? So he which was makes, Kansas. Which makes total sense, right? I mean – yeah. Les Miles went and hired him because Emmett, you know, Emmett, amazing reputation, great guy, really good coach, and he needed an ace in the DFW, and he hired, uh, you know, he hired Emmett, and so Emmett led up DFW recruiting and and, and was able to get Kansas in on, I assume through probably a uh, just a relationship at, there at Desoto. So the guy we're talking about is I'm going to say Armage, Armage Reed Adams. He's a big offensive guard, six five. Um, 300 plus, um, KU has a good offensive system. So he's coming from a good offensive system. They run the ball. Well, uh, they do some interesting things in the run game. Uh, I mean, KU has a good offense. We saw it in the bowl game. KU has a good offense. We saw it all, all last year. They put up points on just about everybody except Texas where they kind of had some turnovers and, and, uh, Texas's defense got to them a little bit. Um, so I, I think he would be an interesting addition, and then the real super wild card out and out out there, and all the OU coaches are following him. That's all we have to go on is LSU offensive tackle Lance Hurd. Uh, he's a five star out of high school. Will Campbell is their other young stud offensive lineman. So they kind of Hurd wasn't starting. I think that's the issue he has at LSU. Um, he would be he would be a Interesting replacement for the Caden Green departure. Um, uh, so I, I don't know anything about that. Nothing on Adams visiting yet. We're hearing some rumblings on Tarquin um, from uh, from from uh, from a couple of different places. Um, Stoops Bros. Somebody sent me something from Stoops Bros. from the from the on three message board. So shout out to Stoops Bros. Hey, dude! Someone someone sent me something that you posted, so um, I want to make sure and give you credit for that about Tarquin. Say to OU, seems to be in on Tarquin. Um, no update on Adams yet, and no update on Hurd. The last uh, portal name, and we're going to buzz through this a little quickly, is Nate. Ro- N- sorry, Jake Roberts is back in the portal. So 
Caleb, you wanted OU to get Jake Roberts last year. You were probably right. If OU could add Jake Roberts, would that make you feel a little bit better about the tight end position? Oh, for sure. I mean, the tight end position, like it's, it could be a strength. You know, we could see uh, – I mean, everything we had heard from sources, Caden Helms, they thought early on that, hey, he was, you know, future all-conference type guy. He just – as a receiving threat, he was – you know, in the elite category potentially as a tight end, but he's been hurt and it's been a knee. So, you know, you don't know. Spent a lot of time in the weight room. He's gotten bigger and stronger, but 6'5, maybe 240 athletic, hopefully still athletic. Uh, Cade McIntyre, you know, you hope he's, he's still developing and along. I think we saw him as a, as a good move guy. Uh, but yeah, Roberts to me, you know, what would make you feel so much better about, I think, the tight end position if you could Oklahoma and you could get Roberts is his ability to play in line, his ability to block, uh, you know, even playing that sniffer role and his ability to block. He's a good receiver. Uh, He's more of like your traditional tight end, right? 6'5", 250. He's not going to run by a bunch of people, but, you know, playing matchup football and box a guy out, make the catch and, you know, get up the seam. You know, it just – I think for me, you'd feel a ton better about that room and its ability to set an edge and block and do some things with Roberts in the fold. And I he can't can't imagine it would hurt with his younger brother that looks like you know a, an elite, another elite tight end out of the state. Yeah, his brother's um, for those that we've talked about on the show before is Nate Roberts from Washington High School. He's every bit six five, two thirty five, two forty. His junior year film is basically everything you'd want out of a tight end in terms of all-round tight end play. Um, we're about to get to Davin Mitchell in a minute. Um, he's looking like everything as advertised on him so far. So if you could get if you could get Jake Roberts, it would be a, a nice security blanket, I think, for the room and allow, allow the young guys to all kind of get a little little room to develop, right? Like, okay. Jake, we know that Jake could come in here, uh, drop his drop his DDT blocking move from the tight end position, um, you know, and uh, and would be good. So I think that's an interesting interesting possible addition there. There's no other portal activity right now. There's no D line in the portal. There's no David Hicks in the portal. Um, there doesn't seem to be anything from an interior defensive tackle right now. We'll update you if anything along those lines changes. One of the Alabama guys who got that just processed, or actually, Nick's really an NFL guy. It was cut day in Alabama, basically. <laughs> it, it was, you know, we just lost the bowl game, lost the CFP. I need to clear roster space because they're also picking up some weird, some weird portal additions. LT Overton, I don't quite understand. That was for, shocking for for them. They've got much better. They've got guys who seem to be more productive. But I mean, there's one guy, and his he's from D, the D.C. area. Uh, Coach Bates heavily recruited him out of high school. His name's Montel Goodwine. He's 6'4", 290. Um, was- you know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. 
everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real Traveler Reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The defensive tackle, defensive end commander of Washington, D.C., was interested in OU at one point. So it would be interesting to see if um, OU took a flyer on him to see if maybe Bates can reboot him and kind of get him going in the right direction. He could be a three technique or you could – he's a big kid. He's 6'4", like I said, 290. You can easily add 10, 15 pounds onto him with his frame. He's He's got a good frame. So uh, maybe OU kicks the tires there just based on a pass relationship. I'm, I'm a little wary of – of uh, Nick Saban's true castoffs, because if if you can't get it going at Alabama, something else is wrong. Either you're, it's a blown evaluation, or you're not working hard, or you're not picking stuff up. I mean, there's just something, right? I mean, they've got everything in there. They've got enough, you know, um, they've got all the tools and enough assistants and analysts to help their kids get as good as they can. So uh, I worry a little about about, you know, their their cast-offs. But we'll see if OU kicks the tires there. Moving to 2024 recruiting, just sort of, let's just, you know, kind of closing the loop here. Um, Dalen Evans, if we, if you missed, if you missed that news, signed with A&M in December. Don McKinley just flipped to LSU, even though they just fired their entire defensive line staff. Oddest thing ever. I think that gives you insight right there to he was probably in some ways potentially always going to land at LSU. And yeah, he mentioned, I think, in his recruitment, you know, when they asked him, it's like, well, I'm from LSU. I'm from Louisiana, rather. I just feel comfortable. I think, you know, I think odds are he was probably going to flip from A&M to LSU if that's the case. Otherwise, yeah. why are you? I mean, the, the defensive staff has just been fired. 
And the the additional rumor floating around is Brian Kelly would leave for the Michigan job if Harbaugh takes like the Chargers job after the national championship, or maybe another NFL job, or another NFL job. Yeah, there's, there's going to be a couple of there's going to be uh, Adam Schefter on Rich Eisen so show was saying that he's he's projecting seven NFL jobs to be open, and that does not include the Patriots job, which could be open or could not be open. This isn't a, this isn't an NFL. New England Patriots podcast, so that's as much as I'll say about that. <laughs> um, there's no new offers. There's nobody OU a fish had an official visit to OU that is either not signed with OU, signed with someone else, or committed elsewhere. So there's no one. Now everybody is accounted for. No new offers. Not projecting any new offers. Um, so that's 24 recruiting. I think. Done and dusted, as my mom would say. So one last note, Andy Bass was named the Gatorade Oklahoma Player of the Year. His final stats were over 3,100 passing yards with 34 touchdowns and three interceptions at a little over 66% completion rate. Um, He had 1,480 yards rushing at a 10.7 yard per carry clip with 31 TDs. So, Caleb, your favorite guy and maybe in the class had nearly 4,500 yards of offense and, and 65 touchdowns. Is that good? <laughs> It'll do. It'll do. I mean, I'm he's just, just completely dominant. i just torn up that he blew his knee out and he won't be – he looks like he won't be a factor for OU this fall. But um, all, props, all props to Andy Bass. Let's just hope that the thing's just a blip and he's back. Um, he's in a Sooner jersey as uh, soon as possible, and and proving proving Caleb right that that he should have been a uh, he should have been a should have been a much higher ranked player. So we're going to jump to the to the to the title of this podcast happenings in Orlando, and it's really the Under Armour game is what I'm referencing. If you guys don't understand that, don't get that reference. So Caleb, I I thought last year OU had an impactful Under Armour game with just Jackson Arnold and P.J. Adewore and, and Caden Green. But I think it's, it's entirely possible they had an even better Under Armour week this week. David Stone, apparently, according to everybody who, doesn't, who isn't a non-three national writer um, <laughs> and is determined to keep David Stone down, uh, free David Stone, free David Stone on on-three. That's my mantra. I've been hitting them pretty hard on Twitter about that. Um, he looked like the best defensive lineman uh, in the game. He's supposedly been the best defensive lineman in drills and practices all week. We've all seen the Twitter X videos where he's shoving Texas signee Daniel Cruz into the quarterback dummy, uh, or or Daniel Cruz can't put a hand on him and David's ripping the quarterback dummy's head off, uh, you know, smashing him in the head. So, so David just looked like a, a top a top five player in the country, basically. I mean, he's uh, he, he basically forced two pick sixes in the game. They started double teaming him because they couldn't block him, and even though it's a blowout, he still made a critical fourth and down, fourth and three stop on a running back, blew through the line, and made a tackle in the backfield. So basically, providing everything you think we thought that he could do, uh, Caleb. It's just it's. It just sort of highlights why guys like David Stone are important. Oh, yeah. I mean, for him to go in and, and really, like you said, he dominated, you know, practice all week as well as the game. 
uh, I mean, just highlights like his potential impact, uh, you know, particularly as like an interior, you know, pass rusher, but just a disruptive guy inside. You know, I think one of the things, and it's been said for everybody for years, right? Like if you run a four, three under defense, which is kind of the base of what, uh, at least Brent has built from, and he's very multiple off of that. Right. So I wouldn't try to pigeonhole him to that, but you know, you've got to have a, a dominant effect, you know, a disruptive three technique in that scheme. Like it really makes it go, uh, because you know, it's, it's really going to force one-on-one and he, he was, he was that all week long. I thought it was, I thought it was funny and, you know, him coming after kind of the on three people and their, their founder, uh, Shannon Terry. And it just, I think to that, it highlights a lack of professionalism from those folks at on three that they can't separate their fandom for Texas because that's what it is, right? Bobby Burton, who was the former COO at Rivals and went with Shannon Terry over to 24 7 and was also, you know, moved on with Shannon to. Uh, on three, you know, Bobby's on his podcast and multiple places talking about for, I mean, he had some really pretty crappy things to say actually uh, about, about David. I think in one of the games that David absolutely dominated, you know, he said, Oh, he wasn't, wasn't engaged before the game and looked like just a guy. He doesn't, I don't know if he's a top 200 guy. So you just get these Texas fans that run on three formulating this opinion. And rather, I don't think it's an opinion. I think it's more of a narrative that, David Stone is maybe a top 200 guy, but he's nowhere near, you know, uh, a top five guy, even though they'll rank him fairly high. They're the one like they're openly pretty much against their own rankings. Like they don't want to do it. Like they're doing it because it seems, you know, that's an industry uh, accepted. I mean, they, uh, they dropped him to like 60 at one point. Yes. Yeah. After he's out there dominating. To the level that, you know, I would say, watch, obviously, IMG's had so many kids come through there. Dave is the most dominant guy to go through IMG. So many of these other guys at IMG, you would watch, and it was like, okay, he's really good, but everybody else around him is really good, too. And so he's kind of just making plays, you know, you know talked a little bit about the uh, Sam and Pimba kid, you know, top three kid, uh, top five kid that went to Georgia. And that's how I felt with him. It's like, man, he checks every box physically, looks like a Greek god. He's an Adonis on the hoof, and he watches tape at IMG, and you're like, ah, man, he sure looks the part physically, but it's not great. It's That's the polar opposite with David. David, you probably wish he, he looked, you know, more like uh, Don McKinley. You wish he maybe was a little bit bigger, but he's 6'4", 285, right? Maybe you wish he was 6'5 and a half and, or 6'5", and you wish he was, you know, 305 and, you know, I don't know. But you watch the tape, and he's absolutely the most dominant player I've seen at IMG, you know, since they've come about. Uh, he looks – he separates himself from a bunch of other top – 250 kids, whether it's at IMG or in this setting right here. Uh, so, I mean, to me, it, it just shows like uh, he's an early enrollee. I'll be blown away if he's not a big time rotational piece, whether he starts or not was yet to be determined, but would be just blown away if this fall he's not, you know, him and Lacey or him and whomever are one, two at that three technique. Yeah. So that we, I'm not shocked by the David Stone stuff at all because I, I kind of thought this would happen. I mean, and to be fair, ESPN and Rivals have David Stone at like 
four and seven in the nation. Two, four, seven, and, and on three, have it with number 19. And I know we're picking nits here, but based upon this game, he, he should be he should be a top 10 guy by any service. If you don't if you don't have David Stone in your top 10 as a service, to, to quote Teddy Lehman, just, just, just shut down what you're doing and figure out something else. Um, on the opposite side, two guys that we were hoping would look okay wouldn't look you know, overwhelmed or really look bad um, were Eugene Brooks and Daniel Ek and Kimmy. And instead, the opposite has happened. Daniel, Eugene Brooks by several guys, Greg Biggins, most noticeably, who's seen him on the West Coast, been a big fan. Greg Biggins on 247, been a West Coast guy forever. Last 15 years, Greg Biggins is easily the best guy on the West Coast. And he's been touting Brooks all fall. And Brooks, according to a number of folks uh, who posted their opinion on Twitter, has been the, the most consistent and best offensive lineman at the Under Armour uh, week. And um, Eugene's only ranked in the top 200 by one service. So I think he's about to get a huge bump in the rankings by the other services, as on three as well, if they're honest with themselves. Because when you watch the game, Caleb, what was impressive to me was Eugene, who's 6'2", 6'2 maybe 6'3". He's got good reach. Uh, Caleb, it was very impressive to me watching Eugene Brooks block and manhandle Don McKinley a little bit. So Brooks, there was some some of those clips, and it wasn't against McKinley, it was against some other folks. I wouldn't say he looked bored at times, but... Uh, just his ability to move his feet quickly, get in front of those guys. And when he sets, right, when he sets down, like he, his base, he, nobody's moving him. And there's one where like he, he, he slides over, gets in front of him, walks up the defensive tackle, sets down, walks his base in, and the kid's trying to move. And he just posts him up with one arm. Like legitimately, he just holds him up with one arm. And he, which I love the most, he was just a total jerk at the end, kind of just shoves him. <laughs> like kind he, of in the throat he was, area, he was like that. Over. You know, that's the, the Josh McGuish went to go visit him and posted a video on YouTube where where Brooks got like a personal foul penalty, and Brooks is like, "Man, I really didn't. I really wasn't working that guy over that much. I could do a lot more. What the hell? Are you? Why the hell did you throw a flag?" And in the in the Under Armour game, there were like four or five moments where you could tell Brooks was like. Okay, this is an all-star game. I'm not going to bury you completely. But if this had been a real football game, you standing around there not paying attention to anything, I, I was going to knock your block off. There's like moments yeah. where you could just see him going, like, he was like lunging, like he was like, yeah, I'm not going to blow this guy up. It's an all-star game. Like, uh, oh, all right, he all looks, right, all right, all right. I'm, I'm he not. just continues to look. The thing that I think I love the most, I think, because you watch him – in his high school stuff and you watch his camp stuff. I think we talked about this when he committed, when you go, when we went back and we looked at his camp stuff from when he was younger and heavier. And then you got a little bit, you know, older and shed some of that weight. And it's like, my gosh, when he gets in front of folks, it's, you know, he wins. Like he just wins. And he, it's not, it's not like his football season ended and all of a sudden he looked sloppy. He looked the best shape I've seen him in. That's where I was going. He looks every time you see him, he just looks better and better. And seeing him physically, he looks great. Uh, what? And I, I mean, I'm just assuming he's locked in and he has got a goal. He's working towards that goal. And I think you know, 
I think the sky's the limit for him. I really do. You get him in in Norman with the uh, nutrition staff and strength conditioning staff. I just, I'll, you know, I said it when we started seeing all these clips come out. I'll just be shocked if he's not pushing for, you know, to be at least a rotational piece inside. You know, I know Gabe on their pod, uh, you know, on the Oklahoma Breakdown has has joked or talked about, oh man, be be able to play center, please be able to play center. Let's play him at center. I mean, if if he was playing center, uh, you know, if you told me that, and I, I and I like Troy Everett. Right. But if you told me that, you know, uh, Eugene Brooks spent the next eight or nine months focused solely on center and then you, and I, and you, then you told me, hey, by by the time Oklahoma got to Texas, he was the starting center. I'm, OK. I mean, uh, he's just. I mean, talk about an anchor in the middle, right? Like a rock, yeah. a rock in the middle, right? Not only a rock in the middle, his ability to move his feet and, you know, and mirror and stay in front yeah. of folks. I guess I say he's got, you know, there's a lot to playing guard, right? You know, the ability to really climb to the second level and you, you have to have some athleticism there, you know, to be able to combo off the linebackers, reach linebackers and play and block some in space. Right. And so you maybe you want to see that a little bit more. But, you know, he played tackle in high school and was a dominant. Like you said, I think Biggins said he was maybe the most dominant offensive tackle in the state of California this year, which produced a five star kid uh, from uh, from modern day, you know, and and you know, on the field, right. When they were swaying play, he, you know, they felt like you know, these big ends that Brooks was the better player. Uh, I think the other kids probably he's bigger or longer. So maybe his, you know, his physical skill set. Longer runway. Longer runway. Yes. Scales a little bit more, but you know, be playing Eugene inside. And I mean, he's just got, you know, I think he does. I think he's got future all American, you know, interior offensive lineman potential. You know, he just continues doing what he's doing and, and it's there for him. So, my favorite guy, you know, for obvious reasons, Daniel Ekinkimi, my, my good friend from England who I talked to. Um, he had a great week at Orlando. I mean, Caleb, he should have been overwhelmed by this, right? We should have been hearing that he's he's struggling. The jump in competition from uh, the club teams and the few high, high, the IMG junior varsity team that he got to play the the jump to four and five star defensive linemen that at, that are at the Under Armour game and there's a lot of them should have been should have been too much for Daniel right we should have heard yeah he he's got a good frame but he's really struggling he's really raw it's that that's what that's the narrative we were expecting right but instead he's looked good all week he looked good in the game he was very good in pass pro for the for Team Ice Team Ice's offensive line which Brooks and Akinkimi were a part of, along with Jordan Seaton, this massive tackle from Alabama that Oregon signed. Um, <laughs> can't quite understand how that works. Um, but the Ike's offensive line dominated that game to allow Michael Van Buren to be the MVP. Um, Jeff Levy got a really good quarterback in Michael Van Buren. We really liked him when OU was looking at him, and he had a really good, um, really good game. Under Armour, but Daniel looks good. He's six five. He's three hundred pounds. He looks good. He looks good in a uniform. He looked good in practices all week, and he looked good inside the game. So, to me, Daniel and Kimmy has top one hundred measurables. He's six five, three hundred pounds. He runs a four nine forty. These are all NFL combine tests that they do at the NFL Academy. So this isn't something where 
that's not like a real 4-9. No, guys, the NFL Academy tests these guys like the Combine. He throws around huge weight. He's always working. Everyone talked about that the Under Armour practices, the story floating around from Parker Thune because he was there, that after everybody left, uh, Daniel's out on the practice field still working on his technique and his drops. And he gets in the game. And then I thought, well, practice-wise, that's just, just practice. Maybe he'll struggle in a game. But in the game setting, he was good. He was blocking, doing a really good job. He was not a liability in any way. And, and trust me, the the opposite the offensive line for team fire was terrible and then had four or five <laughs> star guys on it and um Umazulu who's going to Texas just obliterated the offensive tackles for team fire two guys who are you know at an all-star game a tackle you figured they would be be good guys i was just i was wishing daniel Okoye was in that game cuz daniel would have just cool. he, he'd have been in the backfield all freaking night so, Caleb, am I, am, I, am I wrong here that Daniel just basically, you know, proved that this is not a flyer, he's not some kid who's going to take three years to develop, that athletically he's got all the pieces, and he just showed that in a week in Orlando that he's he's not as far away as people think. No, I don't think you're wrong at all. I think you're right. You know, when I watched him, uh, all those traits transferred over. You know, an athletic guy that moves his feet, has amazing length. Uh, and then the mental side of it, I mean, he was – the dude blocked in and was competitive. Like, he didn't back down from anything. Like, he rose to the occasion every time. He didn't shrink. He didn't get intimidated. You know, he got after it. The only time I saw him – and I wouldn't even say it struggled, right? Like, there would be – like, one rep that was online uh, – Maybe to a defensive player from Texas, a defensive tackle was there that won a rep against him. Um, and the kid had his hand in his face. It would have been like a penalty, but you know, technically he did get to the quarterback. But the only thing with that was Uma, Uma Zulu shoved his okay, grabbed his Which, face back. To me, his face to me well, here's the thing to me, I've never liked the one on one stuff with defensive linemen and offensive linemen in those settings because if you kick a defensive end down, you play him over guard and it's just like a two way go and he bounces as soon as Uma Zulu shoots inside the center, puts him on his ass. And just drops him like that's that's what real football is. As soon as he comes inside, right, I'm, right, he's, right. he's going to get jacked up and put in the ground. You know, uh, that's what happens to to you know 215, 220 pound guys that you slide in and try to play. You know, a three technique and in those instances, right? You get jacked up by the center. Uh, that aside, the you know the thing with him is like once he's on campus and he's working with Bill and he gets stronger and working with Schmitty and he continues like to work on that posterior chain and his core and things. The only thing, and even in that rep, he still could have won it. He got a little high. He Sometimes he wants to come up and get a little bit high and he wants to get his, wants to get his pad level up, you know, but even in those moments when he's high, he's fighting, right. And he's got great length. So he's able to overcome it some, but yeah, I mean, you get him just uh, continue to get stronger continue to get bigger uh, and just continue to work on pad level. Like it's all, it's all there. And he does look like a guy that's locked in, you know, I will see cause he definitely, he played guard and he does seem more comfortable at guard. He's played there. And it might simply be because all of those traits are very overwhelming inside, like his ability to 
you know, he's always moving in front of, you know, lesser athletic guys or in front of rather the defensive tackles. And and that length is daunting inside for, you know, uh, defensive tackles. Like it'll be interesting to see, can he make a move to tackle in the future? Or is it just going to be, you're going to be a great guard. Yeah. And, and, and we really don't care, right? We just need players. You just need, yeah, you just want offensive linemen. You know, we've talked yeah. about this forever, right? Like you just, in particularly in this day and age of, you know, and particularly with just offensive linemen, because it's a longer developmental runway with these guys. You just got to sign numbers, sign a bunch of kids every year, get them in, you know, drop them into that development process and start working and it'll work itself out. Yep. So he didn't get much play in the game and apparently, and, and I'll be honest, Michael Hawkins should have been at the Under Armour game because he, he he looked better than any of the quarterbacks that Team Fire had um, on their roster. Uh, so I don't know why they didn't just pick you know ask Michael if he wanted to come to the game because he looked look he looks better than those guys. Um, so Davin Mitchell was on Team Fire. The quarterbacks couldn't get him the ball in the game. They they had to leave him in blocking because their O line was getting shredded every play. But uh, if nothing else. Two things stand out for me from Deborah Mitchell from the Pratt week. I mean, Caleb, the, the 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 memorable Twitter video where he basically he, he runs over Jordan Johnson Rebel um like he's nothing. Um and just when you see Mitchell next to Stone, Akin Kimmy, and Brooks, just how big the guy is. I mean he I'll be if if I'll be stunned if he's not making plays and and on the field this fall. I mean he just he just looks and he's still he's he's reclassifying, but he just does not look intimidated out of out of he doesn't look out of place with kids twelve months older than him. He just he looks he looks huge. He looks like he looks like an absolute. I I mean I'm going to use the cliche. He just looks like an absolute beast at tight end. I I, oh, I don't know geez. how they're going to keep him off the field. And he's massive. Like when you like that video you talk about where that they have the Texas signees and the Oklahoma signees all all sitting there, you know, jawing back and forth. He looks like he's close to grown man status. Uh, you know, we talked about like Jake Roberts and his ability like make you feel better because he can come in as a blocker. I think you see that with with uh Davin. The only thing, you know, that would hold him back is just fully grasping the mental side of the game. because uh, he looks like uh he looks like the type of guy OU's not had in a long time at tight end. He, he, you know, <laughs> uh, it's he's rare physically. Big, big kid. I just he, it just, you know, he should. You know, I was like, well, maybe he'll look a little out of place with all these other high school seniors. No, and no, he, the, that that so, clip against Jordan Johnson Rebel is like it's almost comical. Uh, you know, so Rebel comes up and and tries to jam him. Uh, at the line of scrimmage, you know, and going to get physical with him. And he legitimately takes one hand and honestly, he kind of spikes rebel is the best way to put it. Like he just ha- gets his hand, you know, part of his chest and really picks him up and then spikes him into the ground with one arm and goes on and catches the ball. It, it was, uh, it was comical like to, you know, to see. It was, um, it was almost a little, um, Almost a little road runner, uh, Wiley Coyote, like uh, you sort of, he was sort of the anvil got dropped on, you know, Mitchell's like, yep, there's a little Looney Tunes kind of like, boom, <laughs> like, you know, I was expecting to see some, you know, little Tweety Bird, you know, like little, you know, bird symbols above Johnson's head. Like, what the hell just hit me, man? Um, 
So the last guy was Jaden Hardy. And uh, Jaden came from practice in San Antonio to uh, to Orlando. He got a little bit of a jump, late jump. Um, didn't hear too much about him in practice. Uh, and the game, though, he was part of an ice secondary that the two 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 units dominated this game. The ice offensive line and the ice secondary. I mean, it was like forty four three or something at the end. Um, and Jaden Hardy was part of that secondary, and uh, he got a personal foul. Because he got a little too got a little too uh, um, a little too anxious in the game. I, I don't have a necessarily a huge problem with the safety being a little bit of a headhunter. And then he made a couple. Then he also made some really good coverage plays as well. So I like what OU's getting out of Jaden Hardy. He's enrolling early. Needs to put some weight on, but he's a competitor. Very smart football player. All in all, a great Under Armour game. So, Kelly, we're going to talk just uh, end end our discussion with just a couple of notes about the All American game. Some updates has gone out. The first one is an update from two four seven that's been posted uh, online, where parent James Nesta is a late addition to the game. They kind of called him up, I think, a week ago and said, "Hey, do you want to come to the under the All American game?" Because they've lost some linebackers, uh, hurt folks not being able to show up. Both games had some linebackers missing, so there was some interesting. Uh, linebacker guys in the games. But Caleb, 247 saying James Nesta looks like the best linebacker at the game, sideline to sideline, looks great in coverage, making plays everywhere. If if that's true, I think the ranking services have, have kind of missed it on Nesta. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think – Kids like him are just going to fall under the the ranking services radar because of the you baseball. Because of baseball, yeah, yeah. You know they're so focused on. I think such a big part of their content, right? And so their content generating groups is what they can put out when all the off season camps come about, right? All of these, you know, Under Armour camps and next level, all these different things that they do, right? They want those kids there. And we should maybe have David Stone on. He could probably give us a uh, more intel because I thought his tweet towards Shannon Terry and on three was was interesting. He talked about his relationship with that site. I don't know what that entails, right? If they because this came out in the past, right? With like uh, whether it was Rivals or Yahoo or it was just Tom Lemming, where they would go to kids and ask them, "Do not commit." Right. Here's a kid that is, you know, in his senior year in August, September, October, and they're saying, hey, do not commit to the school you want to commit to right now. Hold off on doing that and announce that you're going to commit at this game in San Antonio, which is the old Army game. Right. It was the primary game. Announce you're going to commit there because that helps our ratings. You help us. We'll help you. Right. Again, this is a business. It's not, you know, this is, they're not trying to do this like NFL scouts or like, oh, they're, you know, uh, professionally focused on, you know, trying to grade these guys out. That's not, that's not how they're compensated. It's not the revenue model. The revenue model is content. And again, it's a big part of that is what they can get in the offseason with these camps. And a guy like Nesta, we've talked about, right? He's, he's on the diamond, uh, you know, all so they, you know, probably not going to see a lot of his games in high school. You know, I, I doubt they're watching a ton of film, and I doubt they're really digging in with a bunch of coaches around the area trying to get intel, right? You know, you don't have to. So guys like him, I think, are bound to fall under the radar. But, you know, it, 
six four, whatever it is, right? Six four, six five, long arms can run. He can just do a little bit of everything. You know, can play sideline to sideline, could rush the passer. I think he's athletic enough. He can cover tight ends in space. He's the type of guy that, you know, can be can really excel, I think, in those camp settings because of so much of the one on one stuff they'll do in practices and whatever you're doing with those linebackers, he he's probably gonna hold up really well because he's such a good all around athlete and good player. Yeah, but it's 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 interesting because you know if he is if he if he you know we're talking about a, you know a game that has a lot of players in it. if he's the best looking linebacker that's like well guys you may want to rethink that number five hundred player in the nation sort of ranking <laughs> that your three of your services have him at and then the other note is um, Nigel Smith at the game haven't heard much about him yet but we're starting to see more and more clips on Zion Reagan's um, uh, Zion Reagan's blowing past secondary people. And waiting for a quarterback to get him the ball. So he's small, but speed speed kills. You you can't catch, you can't hit what you can't catch is the is the old one of the old Switzer phrases. Um, it's you so know. I, you know I listened to uh, Michael Lombardi was uh, you know so former GM for gosh I guess Browns and Raiders worked in the front office for the Patriots. You know heard him talking about Penix right and how unbelievably underrated Penix is because of his deep ball accuracy and his ability to throw the deep ball. And he, he brought up such an interesting point. It's like, you know, like you, you win with explosive plays, right? Explosive plays by and large come through the passing game. And, you know, he talked about how hard it is to throw, you know, to, to throw deep, how hard it is to, to scheme that up and to do that. Like, you know, he pointed out, God, I can't remember what quarterback it is. It's some no name quarterback, uh, you know, that's a backup that's starting this year in the NFL has three more completions. He had 18 completions of 20 yards plus and Pat Mahomes has 15. And he said, he even, he qualifies that. He says, I'm not pointing that out to say that this kid's better. I'm pointing out how difficult it is to do that, right. To throw the ball uh, vertically. So you get a guy like that's where like Reagan's has, you know, his value becomes, you know, is, is weighted more. It's almost, you know, take his size and all that stuff and throw it out because of his ability to run and, and press teams vertically. You know, same thing with like Brennan Thompson. We saw when he's healthy, like he changes the game a little bit, right? Cause his ability to take the tops off of defenses. Yeah. So Zion's providing that. Uh, maybe we'll get some more from Nigel Smith in the game, but the game's on Saturday. So we haven't have, don't have the game yet. We'll talk a little bit more about that game when, uh, when it actually plays. So guys, that's, uh, that's everything right now that's going on news wise. Um, We'll be back uh, next week with another update. We'll also we're also trying to schedule kind of a postseason wrap up uh, after the CFP championship game, um, and kind of give you guys another uh, another roundtable about what 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 just went on with OU season and and maybe make another round of um, way too early predictions about what may be happening next year. So Caleb, let's just end with a quick prediction. Uh, do you like Washington or Michigan? <laughs> I'm gonna take Michigan. I okay. uh, which I don't know why because seeing seeing the way Penix can throw the ball and how good they are at receiver, I would just think in some ways this plays really well into Michigan and how they want to play the game. They're gonna to want to take, keep Washington off the field. They're gonna run the ball a bunch, play situational football with their tight ends, and just you know work to get third and short, convert it, and get a first down bleed the clock, keep Penix on the sideline, you know, and they've got such a good defense, you know, 
you know, defensive coordinator is a former, uh, you know, Baltimore Ravens coach. And you, I think you see, you see his ability like to game plan and scheme some things up. Like they just destroyed Alabama's offensive line with some real basic, not basic, you know, but some fundamental pressure packages that they had put in, you know, off of some of the motion and things that Alabama did. I assume they're going to have a really good game plan for Penix. They probably got, you know, lots of tape from the past year, you know, from the, you know, joke there about their sign stealing. But uh, I, I'd probably take Michigan. But if you told me Washington pulls it out, uh, you know, if it's close, it's hard to bet against Penix, you know, if it's close and hard to bet against him. I My heart wants to say Washington because I want Penix to get a title just because I think yeah. the kid's great. I like the two wide receivers. He throws to Roman Adunze and, Julian McMillan, um, Jalen McMillan, I never quite got over the fact they're not Sooners. They should have been Sooners. Both of them should be Sooners. Thank you, Lincoln Riley. Um, uh, but I just, Texas's secondary we knew was suspect based upon what we saw with the OU game, right? Dylan Gabriel, um, you know, had a good day against them. And we know Penix and his wide receivers are better. So that wasn't a big surprise. But Michigan's secondary is much better. Um, they're much more con- much more consistent secondary. I think Penix and the three wide receivers are going to have a harder time dominating that game than they did against Texas. So, um, and I, uh, Washington, Washington's defense is underrated. They played well when they've had to all year, but, and I think Michigan's lack of a deep threat might allow Washington to you know load the box and say JJ McCarthy you know beat us and. And he's, and I think he's suspect to do that. But overall, I think you're right. Fourth quarter, maybe it's a couple of big runs from Corum or Donovan Edwards to seal this game. That that Washington defense just runs out of steam, and and they just keep, yeah. they keep Penix on the sideline, right? They just grind out some six minute ten play drive, and and Penix is like, I need two scores, and I got, I just don't have the time. I don't have the time to yeah. do it. Yeah, and I the other thing I think oh, well, Michigan they have such good personnel and such a variety of personnel with three tight ends. They have two really good backs. They've got you know three four wide receivers. They just have like a full deck of cards. And you watch what they did to Alabama. Like they just they saw I guess on tape that hey if we motion and we window dress some stuff it will confuse Alabama. And they did. They would they would Same thing. they would shoot. They shift. They shifted before every play. You know, they get they get into a bunch. They'd move it in and they'd motion someone, and Alabama would just fall apart. And it was like just really simple stuff. I, so I assume they're going to be able to look at you know Washington and find okay, they really struggle with this, and because we have such a good personnel grouping across our entire their offense, we can really take advantage of that. Yeah. So I'd be inter- I think it'll be a good game. I'm, I'm totally, I do too. I think Penix will keep definitely keep Washington in it, and um, if. For some he reason, he was dealing against Texas. He was if, if that if that O line can hold up, just their O line's really good pass pro. They can just hold up a little bit. You know, it could get it could get interesting um, in the fourth quarter. But uh, still, love the fact that both those teams are in it. I thought they were the two best teams this year. So glad to see them competing for a title. So thanks everyone uh, for listening and downloading. Uh, please subscribe to our site Sooners360.com. Give us a chance. If you want more content from Caleb and I and a chance to talk recruiting and everything with us. And we'll be back next week with 
more content for you. Thanks, everyone. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.